from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Sires. And my name is Jeff Stormer. Haha, and this is a podcast where each week we take a listener prompt and create a tabletop character story and interject it into our fantasy world. <laughs> and it's it's very heroic. And we and we take those prompts and we round them up into a posse of the greatest character prompts you can imagine, and we set sail on the high seas. Oh, God. We spend months <laughs> fighting the good fight, and I I don't really know what, like, a her- like I, I feel like I lost the thread real quick. No, you didn't lose one. the thread, Jeff, and you know why you lost the thread? Because you spend months on the high seas fighting the good fight. You know what the good fight is? You mean like you're trying to fight the good fight with high vitamin C on this pirate ship, but you have scurvy, and so you're losing oh, focus, yeah, and so you yeah. lost the thread. Yeah, that checks out. That actually that explains. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, oh, yep, nope, that was a tooth. Yep. Oh, yep. So tooth just came out. Each week, uh, Jeff and I take a group of new adventurers <laughs> out on a pirate ship. And we see if they have what it takes to survive a trip with scurvy, because we we intentionally don't pack any greens or fruit. We just try to do it with salted pork and casks of ale. You know, we get we get like we get out onto the water, out on the international waters. We run out of fuel on our boat. We gotta yep. get stranded. The Coast Guard has to come. There. Let me just put out. I I should put out a formal apology to the coast to the U.S. Coast Guard because yes. they are. They are very tired of coming to pick us up every single week with a bunch of character prompts and, you know, scurvy. <laughs> the, the, but- image, the image is a very small boat. Like, it's not a large pirate ship. It's sort it's of a like... Fishing, it's like a fishing it's a, boat. It's a small fishing boat slash, like, you know the candle, the baker and the candlestick maker? Or yeah. they in, like, a bathtub or something? Yes. Jeff, I think we're back in the bathtub floating in the ocean... Uh, dying of scurvy, and the U.S. Coast Guard is like, you guys gotta stop this. This is <laughs> listen, dumb. Listen. And I'm like, we're, we're legally, making a podcast. This is really important We're not allowed work. to come out into international water. You know that, right? Like, we're not supposed to be here. Yet every single week, you find your way into international water, and you just, like, float? You do it for the bit. You just don't understand making podcasts. Making podcasts is hard work, and it's art. You don't understand the pressure I'm under. <laughs> Are you... Th- are you that guy that got banned from the Pier 1 imports? I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, I am. You don't understand podcasting, bro. <laughs> Aaron, okay. Do we have a prompt this week, Aaron? Oh, shit. Hold on. I, I put my phone in my pocket just a second ago. Yes, we do. Um, Hold on. Good, because I dropped my phone in the ocean, so it, it's gone. <laughs> I don't have a phone anymore. You know what? I'm going to say it, though. It's been a little freeing. Yeah, like I can imagine it's that. Been, I, I, it's been it's been nice, you know. Not having the distraction has been helpful. Well, it's been a nice distraction as my hair falls out on this boat. I got to tell you. So we do have a prompt this week. Well, the prompt this week comes to us from our Discord channel. Hi, Discord, and the prompt comes from Sam Tastic. Prompt: Owner of a comic book store in fantasy. What counts as fantasy in fantasy? 
So I have immediate thoughts on this problem. Yes, Jeff, in case as you, you are the resident expert on comics here. I have very specific thoughts. I want to hear them. I don't, there's, a, there's a comic book publisher that I want to talk about. I don't remember their name, so I'm not going to be able to say, like, their name. Which is probably good, because I'm also going to slander them a little bit. Yeah, who cares? Let's go. There's this terrible comic book publisher. They put out a book. There's, there's one of the books they come out every free comic book day. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I see them, and they sell their books, and they're not, they're, they're these weird, unlicensed biography books. It's like, this is the story of Stan Lee! And it's like a, it's like a comic book telling the life story of Stan Lee, but it's all just, like, Wikipedia level, like, it's Wikipedia level research of, like, and then he created Iron Man. Jeff, my mom makes those. Uh, well, tell your mom that she's doing great work, and I, I'm rooting for her to succeed. Wait, do you but, have a problem with them? No, they're great. I love them. All right. Cool. Good night and good game. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Sorry. Please continue. So, These sound terrible. <laughs> they're really, and like, like I said, they're unlicensed, so there's no real, like, insight. The person's not involved. <laughs> they're very weird books. Okay. I've pitched you that this is what comic books are in fantasy. Oh. It's like unlicensed, <laughs> maybe largely untrue, mm. or like based in reality and then like pushed over the edge story of like the heroes and legends of fantasy. So they're really boring, just like Wikipedia articles. No, 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 no. These are, these are punched up. Like, in in a world in which, like, magic and monsters and mystery are the norm. Yes. I imagine that, like, if you are, think about, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me set you the scene. You're writing the life story of Big Jeremy. You get to the part, pretty much where we're at now, where he's, you know, in Iron Hill. He's running a barber shop. It's fine. It's a little bit quiet. You want to punch it up a little bit. There's nothing saying that uh, an army of un- the undead doesn't swarm upon Iron Hill and Big Jeremy doesn't fight them off with a magic sword. Uh, and is that good? I think people like it, but it's not, but it, it's, it's trashy. Okay, okay, I like this. Okay, so what you're telling me is that the norm in fantasy is pretty mediocre comics. Yeah. What I'm thinking is... This comic book shop owner, it's like High Fidelity, where this is like the last real comic store in fantasy. Where these are like, this is a diehard comics owner, like, fighting the power, you think, of, Mm -hmm. like, what big comics has become. Okay. Like, is what you're describing, like, what is popular, and this is like the vinyl, like, this owner collects the vinyl comics of old. I like this. I, I actually, I like this a lot. Like, old school comics were great. But they they have quickly turned into weird, weird, bad, like, shitty, you know, they're not connected to really, they're pretty much made by, like, a computer algorithm. Like, they're not even made by a person anymore. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, there's a, there's a very, I think there's an overwhelming editorial hand at the big comics houses to be like, why is Big Jeremy just owning a barber shop? Make it more interesting. I don't know. Add something. Uh, zombies. Z- zombies. Done. Uh, zombies show up and uh, he kills them all with shears. What happens at the end? Who cares? He kills them all. Yeah, he kills them all. But then, then there's a cliffhanger because <laughs> then the then the mega zombie shows up. Cliffhanger. Boom. 
Next issue. Done. <laughs> does, does every episode end the, exactly the same in big comics? And that's what people hook. It hooks people. people they, end in, they end in the most obnoxious <laughs> cliffhangers. <laughs> Like often, literally, with characters hanging, hanging from on a, cliffs. No, th- that is how every single comic episode typically ends with a literal cliffhanger. Like Big Jeremy is in his barber shop, like battling zombies with scissors, and somehow he's the last panel is him hanging off a cliff, and it's like, how will he survive? So comics suck in fantasy. Yes. Can we just say that? So comics aren't in a good. I think place. there's a joy. I think there's a joy. Like there's definitely a joy to them. Yeah. Like, because in, in the way that, you know, there's a joy to really, like, pulpy, trashy entertainment, right? Like, I am I am a trash monster, and I live for that kind of entertainment. So I understand, I understand the appeal of the comics that we're selling. Yes, but how do we make big comics, how do we villainize them in fantasy? You know what I mean? How do we make them bad, and this comic store owner, for, you know, for story purposes, good? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know much about comics. So, like, what would make uh, a bad comics company? So, going off of, well, so I think going off of the pitch, the two pitches that we've got and bringing them together, I've got a strong idea for how to bring them together, I think. Okay. I'm going to throw it to you and you can shoot it down. Okay. Uh, so, the way that it's villainized is they're taking people's stories and, like, Saying, this isn't good enough. Your story's not real enough, not good enough. We're going to make it better. Also, we're not going to, like, pay you. We're going to use your likeness. We're going to use your likeness. We're going to tell your story. You're not really going to see anything from it. The way that this, like, small indie comics shop in fantasy operates is they tell real people stories, honestly, but still, like you know, compellingly. They find the compellingness in ordinary story, in real stories, whether they are fantastical or mundane, and they, like, work with the person to be like, all right, we're gonna make this comic. Okay, Jeff, that almost sounds borderline, like, editorial as well. Like, are comic books some sort of editorial? Because if they're telling real stories and publishing them as comic, I know that's technically a comic as well, but, like, is that a thing where you take, like, a real-life event and turn it into a comic? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, then is that what's commonplace? It's both. I think so. It has to be both. But in a, in a world where heroes and magic and you know wizards and shit, I mean, it's it'd be pretty cool to know like what's really going on out there. It's you can't be everywhere at once to see fucking conjure like demolishing demons. Yeah, I think that graphic memoir is like the oh, norm in fantasy. That's such a good. W- is that a fr- is that a real term? God. Yeah, yeah, it is. Then fuck, that's real good. Whoever coined that, I'm giving you giving you a high five. And that's like the norm, that's the norm, right? Is like people, people, you know, the norm is, is people telling their stories through the comic medium. Cool. So what I, the image I'm getting then of this owner of this comic shop is someone who, uh, like really appreciates the historical value of the, his, of the acts of heroism that are happening in their world and really like kind of documenting them in a really cool artistic way so that people of all ages can enjoy them. This is almost like a historian as well. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I, you know, I want to kind of encapsulate and capture the moment that Conjure defeated the Demon King and, you know, and what, sell it? Are, do they make them or do they sell them? Is this a small indie publisher? I was thinking I kind of like sell them more than make yes, them. Yes, me too. Me too. Because what I'm picturing then is people coming to... Roll me, roll me some pronouns. Yeah. She. 
People come to her and they're like, here, I've written this. This is a comic that I made about my life. This is a comic I made about the history of my farm. Oh. And she, like, looks at it and she's like, all right. All right. I've ha- I have notes, but, like, I can sell, like, we can sell this. Like, we can make this. We can, it go. you know, she works with this person. She punches it up a little bit to be like, look, like, here at the end, here at the end, like, you, you have to, you're, you're selling your cow to, like, pay for, for that month's, like, the equipment to harvest it so that you can make the money back. What if we met the cow earlier? And the person's like, oh, yeah, because we, because the cow's, like, in the background. So they're, they're not necessarily, like, rewriting life stories, but they are providing an editorial eye towards these real life stories. So they run an independently owned comics shop that, my question then is, for, in terms of, like, the, the, what do they want, is it successful? Is it going mm. well? Because they're up against what we said is like big comics. So oftentimes, an independently owned anything, it has a tough time uh, in the space against like comics Walmart. Right. Is that the scenario we want to set up in terms of what like you, a quest? What do you I, think? Because my, my first image is high fidelity, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like a bunch of people deeply passionate about a medium and like preserving an, uh, a really great way of doing things that's kind of out of time. You know what I mean? Like record store. Um, yeah. Maybe they're just not on paper anymore. Maybe the physical comic is like going away. Maybe it's all VR in terms of like they use the te- everybody uses the technology from uh, Mind Over Matter to like enter a comic. And they're like, no, it's way better if you can hold it in your hand. Because I'm thinking about the quest here. Like what is in their way? Because if you own an independent comic shop or you own something, the quest then is to make it better. Do they discover in their comics trade? Do they discover like a Necronomicon? Like you know, is, is does someone give them a magical tome and they're put inside the comic zone? You know what I mean? Are they sent back mm. in time through a magic? Because if comics are historical documents, is a magical one? Does it send you back in time? You know, is that mm. the quest type thing? Like, because there's some cool ways we can go if we're saying that a comic in fantasy is a historical documentation. Because I'm thinking, like, the Necronomicon comes, you know, not the Necronomicon, obviously, but it's passed across, like, you know, it comes across them by a vendor. A shady vendor comes and is like, oh, can you sell my comics? And they're, like, magically infused, and they have to go on a quest to do bleh. Because I also wanted to tie into, like, getting comics back. In fantasy, like the way it used to be, or people appreciating, does do do people still appreciate these, or is this like a old school medium? I think people appreciate people appreciate the the pulpy approach, right? Like people want people want like the thing because the thing is, if they're selling, that means people want them, yes. right? If there's if if they're making sales, that means people are buying them because they're interested. So people are are hooked on the big explosions and the, the literal cliffhangers of like, oh no, I've fallen off of yet another cliff. People like that stuff. So let me pitch something to you. Okay. What if it's the other way around? What if the big companies are selling it traditionally, paper, newsprint, etc., and this comic shop is the one that's like, well, there's a, like, we can make this, we could take this to another level. What if this com- what if this comic shop is the one using the VR technology and like presenting a new way of experiencing this? Where you literally enter a book. Yeah. Is it magic or VR? Is it like you know the old school like t- like reading rainbow like you slide down a magic rainbow and into a book? Is that is there magic involved? 
Oh, there's definitely magic involved. I guess the question is, yeah, is the aesthetic is the aesthetic literally entering a book or like is it is it reading Rainbow or is it Inception? I'm gonna go and say reading Rainbow, except you can enter a fictional world through is that this person is it the comic shop owner's magic? Is it something that they have and no one else does, or is it does it happen to them? And they have to get out of the comic. They have to solve a problem within the comic, get out, and then they can replicate that magic. I mm. think here's my pitch to you, Jeff. They have a comic shop, right? What mm-hmm. What is her name? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, let's roll on a, a culture real quick. Okay. Can you Can you give me a uh, a D eight? Oh, I'll just roll a D eight. I don't care. All right. D eight for culture. Oh, she's an orc. Okay. I like this. Um, okay. Uh, what's her name? Um, hmm. It's got to be something. Is it, are all orc names traditional, like, mechanically? Or they have some cute element of, like, gadgeteering to it? They can. Okay. What's your, what's, a, what's your favorite street in Philadelphia? My favorite street in Philadelphia is Baltimore. Baltimore Avenue. So her name is Mora. Mora Alloy? Oh, Mora Alloy is very good. Mora okay. Alloy. So what we established, let's 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 make this let's condense this. Mora Alloy owns a comic shop in fantasy, right? It can mm-hmm. be in Orcus, whatever. Somehow No, I think I think it's in fantasy. Let's see. Where do we where do we want it to be? I was kind of picturing it in Iron Hill. I let's think. do it. Yeah. So there's a comic shop in Iron Hill in a world where um, comics are very campy and they're very like action packed. Can I add? Can I add what I think is a hilarious detail? Yes, please. He is irritated that he doesn't get paid for them and that they're using his likeness without his permission because he knows that it could go wrong wait, at any who? time. Like, wait, l- wait, let me build to it. Okay, but Big Jeremy fucking loves these comics. <laughs> Like, he's like, they could just make me say, and like, they're not getting my permission. They could make me be, like, really, like, awful. But God, look at me killing these zombies. Oh, my God, I'm on a cliff. Oh, God, I'm on a cliff. Oh, man, I got to pick up next month's issue. Oh, look how my big God. my biceps are. I look huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so jacked. <laughs> Holy shit. Look how many pockets I have. He totally looks like Cable from the fucking 90s. Yeah. So he's like, I know that I should be really upset at this. Yeah. But Oh man! But my God, so I'm a cool. bad. I love, and that's the thing is, it's it's hard for like the true comics purist to like you know shit on it because people do enjoy it and it's really mm-hmm. like cool. But it's like, oh, but they could be so much more. <laughs> yeah. So Mara Mora Alloy lives in Iron Hill, has a comic shop called. The Real Deal Comics. Ooh, The Real Deal Comics. Because we said that her whole thing is not, is not editor, is not making shit up. Okay, so something happens to Mora where she is entered into a piece of fiction, yes? Yeah, I, I like the idea that somebody gives her a book that is, like, cursed or magical in some way, and she ends up, she has this experience. Ooh, no, I love it. A, someone comes, I think it's a, it's like a Funko land where like mm-hmm. you can trade and buy and sell comics. So someone trades her a comic or gives her a book and she's like, Ooh, I've never seen this publisher before. Like, I think she has a real eye for detail. Like I'm seeing the jeweler little like eye lens thing. Mm-hmm. She's looking at it and it's really like intricate. It kind of looks demonic and it's like, Ooh, who's this publisher? And the person's really shady and they're like, 
The person's already gone. The person oh, is like, it's just looks, left. She, she looks up. She's like, what? Okay. I was going to pay you. Like, I have money for you. And opens the book. It's like, it's humming, I think. Like, with like some kind of magical, you know, just like a mmm. Like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. This is beautiful. Opens it up. And what is it, like sucked into the book? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So what is the world then? Is it like a dark demonic world? Yes. Yes. And... Is she given like power? Is she a comic book hero when entering, or is she normal, or is she, or is she already magically inclined in the real world, and so magically inclined in the book? I kind of like normal person in okay. the, in the in the book world. She has to like, she has to be clever to get out. Okay, I like, dig she it. She has to like outthink whatever like hellscape this is, and she does it, and she makes it out. Like she she's she like out puzzles it basically. What is the world like? Because I'm seeing some kind of, like, twisted, you know, crooked trees, demons, and, like, what does she have to do to get out? Defeat something or solve a puzzle? Does she have to somehow, is it is it linked to making better comics? Yes, and I know what it is. Awesome. So the curse of this book is it presents you with this, like, weird dreamscape mm-hmm. that, like, when you're in it, it's full of, like, dream logic, and so things that make sense while you're in the book, and that's how it basically, like, consumes you. As it, like, slowly kills you, you're you're unable to, like, get, like, escape from it because you're like, oh, well, of course I'm on the river going to the casino because I have to go to the casino. And, like, so you're you're in this space, it's slowly, like, it's slowly absorbing you into the book as it's, like, presenting you with this weird dreamscape. Mm-hmm. The way that she gets out is by being like, no, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to go to a, I don't have any money to go to the casino. I'm in my pajamas. Like, why am I on a river? There's none of this makes sense. And that is how she like. So basically by avoiding all of the, what, what is popular in fantasy comic tropes of like doing shit just for the sake of it, like fighting zombies and cliffhanging by avoiding that she's able to escape. Like by avoiding these story pitfalls. Yeah, by clinging to the way, like, real world logic, right? By clinging to, like, asking questions and probing things and being like, why is this the, why is this the way it is? Is this the way it is because this is the way the story needs to be to, to get me into the casino? Or is this the way that it actually is? And, like, poking at things and causing them to fall apart. It, like, kind of, it's just using quality over, you know, it's just, it's just bringing substance to this. Yeah. And that overwhelms like the the crumbling weak sub the weak foundation bad storyline of this book. Yeah. So she's out, right? Right. It's more it goes in a book, she triumphs it really easily. So what is the difficult part of this this quest of hers? You know what I'm saying? Like what is the obstacle now? Because the book wasn't didn't provide much of a challenge because she's a comics expert. I, I I've got I like I think the challenge is she's got this cursed object. She sees what it can do. She sees what it can be, right? She's like, well, the book itself was not terribly well written, but, like, the idea of entering into a book and entering into this dreamscape is pretty mind-blowing. Oh, so she takes that magical technology. So the quest is figuring out how to translate that and, like, recreate it without creating a soul-sucking demon book. Okay, so how do you think she does that? Does she hire staff, or does she magically re- reconfigure this? I think she's got to re-enter the book. Okay. 
Like, she has to, like, re-enter the book and, like, outwit it so that she can get out, but also, like, learn the ways in which, like, in which it constructs. It's, like, she's got to basically, like, do this again and again and again for who knows how long to be like, okay, okay, so it puts me on a river because a river is moving forward because it's, and she's got to, like, piece together the, like, broken logic of this cursed object. Mm Mm-hmm. To be like, okay, this is why it does things the way it does. I dig it. So she has to magically deconstruct bad storytelling by entering the bad story and understand yeah. how the how the big guys play the game, and that's how she's going to overcome them. Yes. I really enjoy that. So what? She comes out, does she do it? Does it work? You know, we got, I want to I want to figure out who this person is. You know, like what so they come out, the book is what, deconstructed? You know, she she gets it, right? Let me ask you a critical question. Yeah. Cuz and this will answer the, this will answer everything. This will this will this will direct the story in a big way. Okay? Does she figure it out or does she start selling slightly broken books? What do you mean broken books? Like as in like does she start does she sort of like does she sort of make a deal with the devil, so to speak? Yes. Oh and my she, god, okay. does she make a pact? Like a warlocky pact? I think not literally, no, but she's not, like, but yeah, eventually something. she's like, I can sell, like, I can sell this and I can mitigate the risks as best I can, but I can't do it all. Like, she's like, she realizes that the, the logic of this book is literally otherworldly and she cannot fully deconstruct it to make it like a safe experience. She can't make mind over matter. She can't make, she can't make mind freak over matter where it's all safe and you wake up laughing and you learn about yourself. She can't do that. She can recreate this cursed object and like oh. mitigate it. She can minimize it. Okay. So I have I have a thought. I have an image here cuz based on that of someone someone so desperate because they can't Okay, so Mora can't figure out how the book works, right? Or yeah. I think it's just beyond her understanding, right? I like think it, it's almost beyond anyone's understanding. So she can't figure it out. So she's like I because I'm thinking that sounds that sounds like an act of desperation to be like I want this, but I can't figure out how it works. I just fuck it and like because I'm thinking she gets to the end hundreds of times of this story, right? And mm-hmm. I think there's a presence there, and I think there's a something, and eventually she's like, you know, what calls out to it or answers back like a million times, gets to the end, just finishes the story. But I think if she like. You know, peels back that curtain, there's basically, like, the Dark Wizard of Oz of this book that's like, hey, you know, like, basically mm-hmm. the essence of the book. And she can make a deal with them that's like, you know, you don't have to leave. You know, we can we can start working together. But what is the cost here? What's given up? Hmm. Because this is, you said it's making a deal with the devil. So what is given up here? Because I, I th- I'm starting to see this as sort of like a tragic story of what it costs to battle with the big guys. What is sacrificed? Doesn't have to be something like, you know, your soul, but it can be something like you can no longer create historical, you know, fiction. Every story has to end in a cliffhanger. <laughs> I think what, what is lost, I've got an idea. Okay. I think that what is the thing that is lost, the price she has to pay is she has to put people at risk. Ooh. So she starts selling these books. She's able, she like, figure, you know, she's able to recreate this. Slightly. 
But the problem is, like, she has to sell them, and people have to go in them, and some people don't come out. Okay, I am obsessed with this, because, Jeff, what you're basically saying is that this is someone so... I'm going to say it so consumed with the idea of like good storytelling and like this is what a comic should be. It shouldn't be just cliffhangers and zombies all the time and explosions. It can be real. It can be tangible. It can be felt. Because if she's going into the book hundreds of times to figure out how this works, this is someone who values that experience over all else, over people's safety, it seems like. This is Mm -hmm. not the best person. This is no, not no, this no. is not a hero. This is someone unfortunately consumed by this this idea of storytelling and experience and no this is this is what comics are. You can you can enter this book, you can feel it. It's real. So I'm seeing this as sort of like this comic shop is like dangerous. This is a dangerous yeah, sure. premise. Ooh, I dig it. It becomes like a uh, a place of like it, you sell it's a place that sells like tomes into another world that you might not escape. Yeah, for sure. It, it's for the it's for the hardcore comic lover. This isn't for beginners. Oh no. Do you enjoy those comics? Oh, these aren't those. You know, it's it's someone so so consumed with getting the perfect story realizes that you'll never have the perfect story until you enter it yourself, until you experience it personally, until you live it. Is that kind of the road? Yeah, I think so. I think that's I think that's where it's at. Yeah. I am obsessed with this with this dark, you know, almost like a this is almost like some warlock shit, like robed figure like peddling comics out of like what is the comic shop shifted to? Because if there's a pact made, I'm you know, some kind of deal honestly with uh what is it? Okay, so what is the book? Do you want to decide on something or is it a mystery? I think the original book I think there's I think the original book is a mystery. Okay. It's different every time you go in it. Mm. It puts you in a weird like a weird twisted trees dreamscape. Yeah. And you have to figure out how to get out of it. I think the books that she sells because she still clings to the idea of like I can make art that is real life. Yes. Is the the stuff that she makes. She imparts that she imparts part of herself in the work that like she puts you in a person's life, right? Yes, because we she's a publisher. So what yes. So sorry, continue. I'll finish it. So end. somebody comes somebody comes to her with like, hey, here's the story of how like I sold how I had to sell my cow for the harvest, but I was able to buy the cow back because like me and the cow, we've been together since I was a kid. She looks at this and she's like, Okay, we can translate this. She makes a book, suddenly, you know, you start reading it, you are pulled in, suddenly you are that farmer. Mm. But then the world starts like the book's influence starts taking over That's and the like cost. Yes. It starts like changing into this weird dreamscape. So like it's suddenly like, okay, well I have to make harvest, so I have to kill the cow. No, that's not right. No, the cow has to kill me. We're in a fight together. We're in a gladiator. And it suddenly like starts twisting and the world starts mutating and it takes you on this weird journey and you have to like logic your way out of it. So it starts out in this very genuine place of like, I'm going to learn about, I'm going to learn about the life of (laughs) Ansel Mindfreak. And then it turns out that like, you are a human sized crow screaming in a city street. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So what that, what that tells me, Jeff, is that Mora Alloy, 
the sacrifice made, the trade basically is you can tell the stories that you want to tell, but you have to do it my way, said the book. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell people's experiences and you want to bring these stories to life? Are you willing to do this my way? And after hundreds of times, I think is broken down and is honestly like, fine, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I, I want mm-hmm. it so badly. So I think it's kind of a, an ability is given to her to impart on other people's work. You know what I mean? Like a, mm-hmm. a publisher comes across her desk and it's, you know, the story of the gentle farmer. It's the story of the silly farmer. You know, and it's like, uh, what, what do you think? It's like, great, give me one night. Uh, I have a few edits to make and I can give, I'll, be, I'll have this back to you by the morning. So overnight is basically like with, with like her, her left arm is like channeling like, you know, uh, magic into the book and it sort of changes it into the twisted hellscape version. So this is a sad story, Jeff. Yes, it is. And it is a story about like trying to get what you want and ending up arguably worse than the than the competition yeah so okay does this have a happy ending because i'm trying to think of what is so more alloy let's talk so if we got to this point right where she's the she's the dark wizard of comics what was her life like to get to this point someone so consumed with creating stories that matter you know what i mean like how do, how does one get to this point of desperation was the comic shop struggling or was she, is she just that passionate? What happened to her in her life, you know, to get her to this point? Who is she? I, I think it's both. I think the, the comic shop is definitely struggling because like, that's all, it's a niche market, right? Like it's not the market that it's not the cliffhangers and the zombies. It is a niche market and she, it's a niche market that she loves and she's working in it because like, I care about this and therefore I will work in this forever. Tell me about her young life then. What was her young life as a comics, as a comics fan? You know, is is it is it just you know she just has a deep love for them? Was she inspired as a child by something? I I think when she was younger, she was a comics fan. She loved she loved cliffhanger comics when she was a kid. I dig that. But what she but like that was like the thing that she loved reading. But what she also loved doing was just, like, chatting with people, right? Mm. She just loved, like, hearing stories, right? She was she was a great... Maybe she was really into the competitive storytelling scene. I dig it. I like this. And so she's, like, hearing people's stories, and she's like, yeah, okay, that's so cool. And she's hearing stories of, like, the silly farmer, and she just, like, is, like, you know, head in hands, like, oh my god, you had to sell your cow, but you... But you got that cow for your eighth birthday. Like, you care so much about this cow. And so she, like, and it's that sort of, like, passion that grew as she got older. Mm. That she started looking at comics and being like, but that's not, I want to know who Craig was, like, before Wizard. I don't want to <laughs> know. I don't want to see him in the magical forest of vegetables. So I want to pitch you something for a childhood moment. So Maura Alloy is a young orc in Iron Hill, right? Living life. My idea of comic shops in fantasy, or in at least in Iron Hill, is sort of like Tattooed Mamas in Philly, where mm-hmm. it's sort of like a comic shop, cafe, you know, also place where you're like, it's sort of like the, uh, I think, I don't know if I'm not 
with the right era in history where it's like the the old school like what 1700s coffee shop 1800s where it's a place where like you go and you can learn like it's a place of education like where people go to trade ideas i think a comic shop is a place where people swap stories you know in a place where you know creativity and fantasy is like you know it's smiled upon and it's it's something that's encouraged instead of like don't tell me about your you know pitch for a movie i think you go to a comic shop to be like i've read this and it's really amazing can i tell you mine and people like swap stories right sure i love that so i think that as a as a young child Mora went to these comic shops and would sit and like just listen sit for hours and listen to basically like the the students in the coffee shops swapping stories, you know, and trading these fictional stories and being like, wow, these need to be published. These need a publisher. Oh, my God. It's Do you think it's hard getting to the big comics writers? I think it is. Oh, I think yeah, it's, for sure. it's hard for sure. getting published. So I think Mora has this dream of being like, ah, oh, man, I need to become a publisher. I need – so I think what inspires Mora, right? Let me take you back to her childhood. Mora is a young orc growing up in Iron Hill. Um, her family is blue collar. Uh, they they have an appreciation, though, for uh, every day, Mora's parents come home and they say, how was your day? You know, and Mora is a bit of uh, an exaggerator, is a bit of a storyteller, is a bit of like, oh, well, I went to school today and, you know, uh, Stacy and me, we're in math class, right? And the numbers are just whizzing by me. I just can't grab anything down. And then Stacy draws her pencil and is like, you don't understand, you know, just a huge exaggerator story- storyteller, right? And it's encouraged mm-hmm. at home. What I think something that kind of inspires this is... um, they get her a a grandparent passes away, <clears throat> you know, as they do in a family. It's it's hard when 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 elders pass on. They buy her a story candle from the town of Emerald Ivy to tell mm-hmm. the story of a family member. Burns it down, and that kind of preservation, I think, is what stays with mora for all time that idea of encapsulating a person's life not just the story that they whipped up in the coffee shop but really telling an adventure like because the story candle tells the story of who they were in life right Mm -hmm. but it's biographical i think she wants to blend the two worlds like of her home life of how was your day and also the 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 life that she lives in the coffee shop of like and just having a, a passion for exaggeration i think blending those two together is what drove her to be like i know it's going to be a long shot but what if comics were the story of someone's life but just told in an exaggerated fashion you know what if what Mm -hmm. if they were that is this making any sense or is this like a bad tangent this is making sense and i want to i want to i want to kick it up a notch yeah please i have a real idea so she buys the story candle yes she burns it she tells a story that night, <gasps> she is visited <gasps> by the ghost of Barney Bargast. Oh, my God. She's in such a vulnerable place. It's the perfect time. She just learned the story of, like, her grandfather, and then Barney Bargast comes and is like, hey. And is like, hey. Like, and, and is and is talking with her and is like, you know, tell your story. Tell the stories. But what happens is she, like, in talking to Barney, flips it on its head. And starts asking him questions. Ooh. And it's like, who were you? Like, who were you before? And like goes through this whole process and kind of becomes obsessed with that. 
with the idea that this is a person, this is a being, this is a, this ghost is here to learn stories. Like I could be that. I could, she's trying. So like it sort of adds this whole like tragic dark twist to the whole thing of like she's trying to be the human Barney Barguest and oh has to make God. this unspeakable deal to like chase this idea. To chase the idea of people experiencing other people's lives, like Barney Vargas did, of like, you know, create this story candle, tell your story to the world when they burn it down. In the same way, Mora Alloy is like, you know, I will publish your work. I will literally give up a piece of myself to make this come to life. I care so much about this tale being told that even if it has to become some twisted hellscape, it needs to be taken. It needs to be done. That Jeff, that's very sad. Mm-hmm. Damn! Wow. Um, that took a turn. Uh, so Mora Alloy went from this exaggerated, like happy child to, you know, a dark publisher of comics. Who not dark, but it's just. Hmm. How can we spin it? In a, how do we make it light? Can, okay. My question for you then is: No, we don't have to spin it. Is it possible? To break the spell on this book, on this this way of magic, that Mora Alloy can tell your story, can enter you into this narrative as the main character without it being a twisted hellscape. Can the deal, like, you know, can the deal be broken, basically? What does Mora have to do? Here's what I think. I think Mora can't do anything to break the deal. Mm. But I think you in the story can break the deal. And and this is sort of this is sort of I think the sweet kind of closing note of the of the narrative is that there is a way to break the deal, but it requires you as the person in the book to like know this story well enough that you can do what she did and basically poke things apart. Mm. Where it's like, well, no, I wasn't fighting this cow. I'm like, no, the farmer didn't fight the cow. The farmer sold the cow because they wanted to get the stuff for the harvest so they could buy the cow back. Like, it's it's about recreating the actual story is the way that you were broken yes. free of the book. You said that more. We said that Mora came out. You know, Mora mm-hmm. came out and then just kept going back in. And that is the, that's the sad element, that she just kept beating herself over the head with this, like, idea that she can overwhelm it, that she can solve it. But there is no way to fix this. It just is. And it consumed her. So I think if you go in, the best way to go about it is to just, you know, to to solve it logically, to experience the story, and then leave. Don't go, because in every book, is there a voice tugging at you? Is there a wizard in every book, basically? The Wizard of Oz, like that I set up. Yes, there's a little piece of the book in every, there's a little piece of Mora and this otherworldly presence in every book. Mm. And the way that you do it is by, like, basically, I'm basically picturing you do what Mora did. When she started to realize that comics could be more than trashy cliffhangers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically like, well, no, this, is, this isn't how the story goes. The story goes like this, and basically by putting the pieces right and recreating the narrative, you, you, you basically, like, pull apart the world, and eventually you wake back up outside of the book, and you're like, well, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, by doing it honestly, and actually living the person's experience, or, like, not doing things for the sake of being a badass, just telling the story with you behind the wheel, that's how you can do it successfully. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that gives Mora Alloy a great peace of mind, and that's what, like, you know, although she, although she lost part of herself in this, you know, although she is... 
You know, I think she's happy doing this, that she can give people the experience that she's always wanted them to have, even though it cost her something. That I think she smiles every time someone solves it the way that she, that the way it should be done. And she's willing to do this. You know, I'm willing to keep changing these publishers' books to make it a lived experience so long that people keep doing it correctly, doing it the way it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. I like this a lot. It kind of, yeah. it's very sad. Uh, it is. Poor Mora Alloy, but not really because she's, she gave up a lot. You know, it's, the work wasn't easy, but she finally kind of has what she wanted. It just isn't the way that she wanted to get it. And that's sad. Yeah. That, that ain't that always how it goes. Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to roll on background tables? Yes, I do. I was just looking at them. Hell yeah. Uh, what do we say? Let's say, what do we say we roll on? What about Mystic? Oh, yeah. I'm about that. Mystic is, we, yeah, we usually have like the creative types. Let's roll on Mystic. Awesome. Well, give me a D8 for personality trait. All right. All Might D8. Eight. I look up at the sky, expecting a sign of portent. She knows that she knows that this book is growing in power the more books that she makes. Mm. So now she's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. She doesn't know what that's going to look like, but something something big is going to happen. Wow. That's very sad. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it, honestly. I think this work is like, okay, so what I will say to make this a positive is that even though, you know, it's this is sort of consuming her as the work often does, it is this changing the world? Is this changing the scape, the 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 landscape of comics? And is it changing lives? I think the tragedy of it, yeah. the sadness of it, the beauty of it, and the sadness of it is it is changing lives, but it is not her work that is changing lives. Yeah, it is the people that are outsmarting the book that is change that are changing lives because they are they are like they are learning the lesson that she wants to impart, and that's beautiful. Yeah, but the sadness is that they they are doing this and like. The work that she is selling is not the thi- is not itself doing that. It takes that individual push. Yeah. Jeez. Roll me a D6 for an ideal. Ugh, God. Six. Oof. Refusal. I want this burden taken away from me. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. After some time, I think it's this, this work is becoming, it's too much. It's a lot. It's a, I think she, is she bound to it? Is she bound to this late, this laborious task of creating these, of publishing this work? I think so. I think she's, yeah, she's, she's forced to create and create and create. And she just wants to not like at a certain point, she has lost that magic and she just wants nothing more than to stop subjecting people to this. But is it more selfish? Like, is it just like, I don't want to do this anymore? You know, but it's it's become it's become out of my control, not because of the magic, but like because she has such a passion for t- because the passion is there for telling stories. Jeff is what I'm thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to stop, but I can't. Like, it, I'm so tired. This this comic shop is this is this has become something that I never wanted. You know, has this spiraled out of her control? You know, is it big? Is this po- is Alloy Comics now like a large publisher that competes with the big guys, but it's just not quite the way she thought it would be? Yeah, I think she's I think she got she's achieved her dream, but it's not what she it's not at all what she thought it was going to be. And so now she's like, "Oh, I don't want to do this anymore." And when she I think when she looks up at the sky, she thinks of that little girl back in Iron Hill and is like, 
what does this come to? You know, you, I made a deal with, I made a deal with mysterious powers and now I'm here. And, you know, I guess, I guess it's sort of like put your head, put your nose to the grindstone, just like put your head down and grind, just keep working until the other shoe falls. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if we have this power and we're running on borrowed time, we might as well give people an experience that they'll never forget and a life changing experience while we can, you know? Just staring at the hourglass as it gradually wears down. Damn. Give me a d6 for a bond. Five. Two forces are telling me to go a, to go to a direction opposite of each other. Which checks out, right? The, the, the book is telling her to do one thing and her heart, the, the, the child back in Iron Hill, that voice in her head that's like, you know, you're doing a horrible thing. Yeah. She, she's at, she exists at a crossroads of like, I don't want to do this. But I have to. Can she overcome it? Can this end? I think it can, but I don't know how. And I don't think she knows how. Okay. But it can. It can be beaten. I think she still sometimes goes into the book and, like, reasons it out and is trying to find just the right... She's trying to understand the thing at the end of the book Mm -hmm. to, like, figure out, like, what is... What life story do I have to tell to make this right? Like, how do I, you know, restore this hellscape? You know what I mean? How do I get rid of it? How do I defeat this presence, basically, that is forcing the other half of the coin on me? Because her part of this deal is that, like, I get, you get to enter the narrative of the main character and experience their life. But it's in a twisted hellscape where there's, like, danger. So I think, is there a way to solve it correctly? Is there a way to, or just overcome the presence? You know, is there a way to break the deal or just overcome the presence? I think it's I, I think it's somewhere in the middle, right? I think it's it's that she has to by overcoming the presence, it's going to negate the deal. Mm. She's got to basically she has to basically get leverage. Yeah. Or is it I, I quit having this power, I can't may I can't publish the way I want to anymore, but at least I'm free of the presence. Damn, you can break the deal at any time. I think that's the tragedy, Jeff, is she can break the deal at any time, but the work is very important to her. Yeah. That, ugh, okay. Well, I'm going to go take a shower. Let me roll another dice real quick. Give me a d6 for a flaw. Oh, my God. Loves the work way too much. Ooh, uh, moose. So, I guess, is that one? I have random blackouts. Hmm. Sometimes she wakes up in the book and she does not remember jumping in it. Oh, wow. And she reasons her way out. She knows how to get out of it. But sometimes she's in that book and she's like, I didn't, I didn't enter. Like, I, that's a real good closing beat. Is that, yeah, sometimes, sometimes she's just in the book and doesn't even realize it. The lines are, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Mora that the lines between this fiction and reality are starting to blur as well. Where, mm-hmm. like, she spends so much time in this other plane that it's starting to, like, they're starting to kind of intersect. You know, be careful the deals you make. Be careful the the path you choose in order to get what you want. Dang. Dang is correct. What a good, what a good story. What a good prompt and a good story. Yes. God, thank you, Sam Tastic. Um, that prompt was very good. I, it went in some it went in some directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you'd like to submit a prompt for our show, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast on Twitter with the hashtag fantasy children. You can also post to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can also post them to our Discord, the link to which is pinned to our Twitter. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. 
Or you can go to allmyfantasychildren.com and use the content submission form. Yeah, it's a great way to spam them away. We need your prompts. Don't think that you sending your prompt, like, if it hasn't been read, like, isn't being considered. It's just kind of like we kind of balance it out. So just spend mm-hmm. them, spam them away. If you'd like to become a backer of our show and give us some financial support, there's a way you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash allmyfantasychildren. Uh, you can become a backer of our show, and your money goes to help pay for equipment costs, hosting fees, con appearances, and is a great way to support the show. We have a brand new Patreon backer, Megan Bob. Thank you, Megan Bob. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I hope that the next story that you read changes your life and does not suck you into some kind of hellscape. I I also hope that this, I hope that what the things that we talk about never happen to you. Yes, I I hope that your dreams are fulfilled and you don't have to make any dark deals, that you just get them on your own terms. Yes. I hope that if there's a candy bar that you really like that you haven't been able to find in a while, the next time that you go to a CVS, it's just there. Yeah. Oh, that was like, great. I didn't, I didn't even know they made these anymore. Holy shit. Are they selling retro candy at a CVS? Yeah, yeah that'd be great. That's my hope. You can also leave us a nice iTunes review. Uh, give us a, a shout out on Twitter. Uh, tell a friend about the show. All of those things help new people find the show, which helps us grow and yes. do bigger and cooler things. And it helps new props come in, which helps the show get better. So tell a friend. Um, and with that, with that love in mind, Jeff, do you have a verbal hug this week? <sighs> I do. Okay. I do. Take care of yourself. Mm. Like know your know your emotional limits and, and don't and, and don't feel like, you know, there we we talk a lot about like supporting each other and helping each other and like contributing and being part, you know, being a part of things. Yeah. I there's also a value in like knowing, okay, I've pushed I've I've given as much as I can give and I need to step back. Yes. You know, there know your limits, know Know when to take care of yourself, know when to step back and breathe, and then know when you feel refilled and can give, you know what I mean? Oh, like, completely, yes. Find, make sure you're paying attention to that balance between giving to others and keeping for yourself. Yes. my Mine on that note is be very careful with how much time you spend looking at your phone and social media. Um. Being a part of communities can be wonderful, but it does it does have a cost. You do have to give a part of yourself by contributing and being present and saying hello. Sometimes it's okay to step back and really remove yourself from things temporarily and just take a second to recharge and be away from, you know, log off for like a few a day, maybe a few hours where you're not just checking in on things and checking in on what everybody's talking about. Sometimes it's okay to just take a step back and, you know, just breathe and live your life for a second in the real world and just kind of get comfy again and get realigned. It's always okay Mm -hmm. to take a second to realign, whether that means your posture so that you can breathe a little better, whether that means mentally realigned so that you can just go about your life a little easier. Just always remember to realign yourself and keep in mind the things that might take you out of your alignment and take a break from them. Yeah. Uh, what else? We don't talk about anything else, do we? I think that's it. Yeah. And on that note, good night and good game. game.